Hi, I'm Tina Spangler with TLC Barrels and welcome to my podcast. It's January 17th, 2023, and this is Q&A 127. Today, our topic is going to be why do you barrel race and discussing goals versus balance with life. And I know that's hard for a lot of people. Um, you can't always stay motivated, but you can always stay disciplined. And today I want to talk about that in a little bit more detail. So um, just a few uh, housekeeping announcements. We had eight new members sign up last week, so I want to make sure everyone understands the group. So far, there's been 233 people join, 125 are in the group. We have 25 states um, in just two and a half years. So that's awesome. I have some clinics coming up January 22nd, <clears throat> this Sunday, uh, February 5th, and um, February 12th. Those are all full. And then I will be having uh, left hip surgery on uh, February 21st. So for probably two days, I won't be doing anything in the group. And then I'll start right back with videos after that. And um, I won't be able to do lessons for two to four weeks, depending on how I heal. And then I'll start back with uh, clinics in April. Uh, April and May, I've got clinics that have spots available. April 23rd in Florida and um, May 20th in Alabama. By then, I'll be well past the six to eight weeks and, and clear to go do anything by then. So that's awesome. I'm excited to be able to work without pain and get back to riding uh, my horses as well. And uh, being able to make new videos and, and uh, stuff for the group, uh, as well as ride in my lessons and all of those things. So I'm excited. Um, new members, remember that you can uh, use the, the reason I can keep the price of the group to $15 a month or $150 a year and still be able to do one or two video reviews for you. <clears throat> the video critiques take the bulk of my time because I have to watch your video and I watch it go through regular and then in slow motion. Then I decide what changes to recommend. Then I videotape it in slow motion for you, which is usually four to seven minutes long. And then it takes about 15 minutes to download and then send it to you. Or you can watch it in the Coaching Now app as well because you have your own space. Um, always let me know if you want to keep your video private or if you want to share it in the group. Private's fine, but sharing in the group also lets people learn from your uh, what I critique on your video too. But either way, it's fine with me. So just let me know if you want it private. It's no problem. Um, but in this in the group at the top of the search or top of the group page, there's a magnifying glass or a search box, and you can type in anything you want. And two and a half years, a topic will come up. It could be first barrel drills, dry work, mental game, you name it, alleyway issues. Uh, nutrition, anything I've ever talked about for two years is going to be in there. And all you gotta do is search the search box. But if you want to be more organized, you can go to the members only website and go to the members only page. After you go onto the menu, um, you have to copy and paste my, uh, my website into your browser for it to work properly. Click on menu, click on members only type in your username and password, which you got when you signed up. And, um, and then in there is over 150 training videos, a year's worth of challenges, a year's worth of Q&A, so much information. It's just an encyclopedia of my program in barrel racing. And um, the topics, are, are all my videos are divided up by topics, cult starting, um, foundation, dry work, drills, how to pattern a barrel horse and pull horse, tune-ups on the barrels, um, 
you know, saddles, uh, bits, uh, rain length, all those things, nutrition. There's a whole bunch of videos there for you. So take advantage of that as well. All of that's going to help you understand my program better and also help you advance. So I do want to welcome some new members uh, as we get into this um, podcast or this Q&A. Uh, welcome Pam from Florida, Linda from Texas, and Tasha from Arkansas. And um, let's see here. In the group, I've been posting videos. Uh, this week, I posted doing squares around the barrel squares around the barrel where you half halt or completely stop at spots one two and three and then also spot four the front side is a wonderful drill to do at a walk or even a trot and, and uh, or sit jog on a horse that is maybe really hot i would stay at a walk or a horse that really anticipates and thirdly to help a rider keep looking between the ears and riding square to your spots it helps keep your horse square it helps keep you square teaches you to look between your ears, the horse's ears, keep your hands even. Um, and then you stop at each spot, spot one, and then go to spot two. You're basically doing a square around the barrel. It's also good for the horse that overbends. So keep that in mind too. If you have one that's a rubbernecker that butt swings or a, a rider that pulls on the inside rein too much and causes the head and neck to bend too much and the butt to swing, that would be a good drill for you as well. So I posted that in the group. Remember the challenges this month are to get your journal together and your um, barrel, log your barrel races, make your schedule, your pre-run routine, set your goals, your word or your slogan for 2023. It's still January, still plenty of time to make up your mind what your goals are going to be for the year with your horses and uh, yourself. And then also the D pattern is a challenge. <coughs> Excuse me, quite a few of you. Excuse me, has been sending in videos. <clears throat> Excuse me, morning. I got to start doing my podcast later in the day when my voice is more clear after waking up. But it's the only time I have time today. So that's why we're doing it now. But anyways, um, a lot of you have been sending in videos of the D pattern. And some of you are doing it awesome. And others, I've had to make some suggestions. So great job on that. I'm glad everybody's taking part in the D pattern challenge. Um, so like I mentioned, <clears throat> the topic for today is why do you barrel race and having balance with um, goals and life. So I'm going to go ahead and get into the Q&A though. We have several questions, um, but it really is important that you have a mindset shift when you're in this group. I cannot tell you how much negative energy comes at me in a week and I have to flip it to positive energy all the time because if I let all that negative energy in, I would be the foulest person I ever met. So when people come to me with just this misery, I just say, you know, I try to flip it. I don't say, hey, put, put it in perspective. It could be a lot worse. You want to say that, you know, you want to say that. Like I have a friend right now dealing with um, throat cancer. You know, I have a, another friend who was running 1D barrels and now is in, got her hips broke in an accident with a horse and can't ride and she's in miserable pain. So things can always be different. Um, you know, things can always change in a breath. So when you get stressed out, you find yourself completely uh, <clears throat> disappointed in a run because you hit a barrel or got by a barrel or your horse didn't place. Just 
take a moment and change your mindset, shift it to a positive energy because that negativity, I promise you, does you no good. It will not help you have a happy day. It will not help you reach your goals or your dreams. People quit because they can't stay positive and, and keep climbing that mountain. Um, and that's what it is. A goal or a dream is a mountain. It's not a smooth path or it wouldn't be a goal or a dream. Um, you know, you could just have no goals or dreams and life might be a little easier on you. But those of us that want more, we strive for more, whether it's in business or in personal lives. And we set these goals and dreams. It's our why. Everybody, and that's what today's about, knowing your why. But I'm going to get into that in a few minutes. But but before I do that, just remember um, 90% of what happens to you is your attitude. 10% is what happens. You know, the situation is 10%. 90% is your attitude about it. So an example of that is a rider in Texas um, went to make a run this weekend. She felt like it was her best run ever and the timer malfunctioned. So they offered her a chance to run again. So, you know, she could have said, no, I'll let my horse rest. He did his job. He doesn't understand. But she decided to run again. Um, you know, she had paid her entry fee. So she waited, though, let him rest a bit and got her draw number down further. She runs again. And don't you know, I don't think the run was as good the second time. I, I, have, I forgot. I have to read the notes again. But um, the timer malfunctioned again. Now, me, I would have just said, that's it. No more. You know, even asked for a refund if possible. But um, because that's ridiculous. But then it happened three times. But again, she she went ahead and ran again. I don't I don't know. Um, you know, I would have not done that for sure because it's not fair to the horse. But but um, keeping a good attitude like she wasn't mad at the association or anything like that. You know, things happen. And that's what I'm talking about. The 90 10 rule. <clears throat> but I think you have to put your horse first in that situation. And me personally, that's happened to probably five times in my career. And if my horse made a good run, I'm not running again. If I got hit a barrel or something, I want to stay in the money. I might go ahead and go back in and run again if I felt like it wasn't going to be hard on my horse. But but that would be the max, no more than two, just FYI, if that happens to you. So, but it's all about attitude. Um, keeping a great attitude is really, really important. Um, so one of the first questions that came in is my horse will not rate the barrel. I pull on their head and the face just goes up in the sky. Um, so number one thing you got to do is forget about the barrel pattern. Uh, figure out why your horse isn't rating. Is there something physically that's causing them not to be able to rate? For instance, um, do they have a dental problem? Do they have a chiropractic problem? Are they uh, needing to see the sports medicine vet, sore hock, sore back? Or are there holes in their foundation? So once I rule out pain, because you cannot train pain, I would go ahead and um, go back to the practice pen and I would work on collection, starting with the face. If you can't control the horse's face, you cannot control the horse's body or feet. So start with the face. Can I walk in straight lines and circles in the bridle vertically? You need to start with lateral first. So once you know you can do left and right, then work on down. I need to be able to, to collect my horse for 5 to 15 seconds at a walk and a sit jog. And then eventually a lope where my horse doesn't put their head in the sky. They need to understand to be broken the face. Then I need to work on collection of the body. So when I get true collection vertically, that not only do they break in the pole, but they shorten their stride, they shift their weight to their hindquarters, and they lift their top one. All four of those things need to happen. They need to be able to happen for five seconds to 20 seconds for a barrel horse. 
a dressage horse could probably do it for a whole hour lesson, but we don't need that in a barrel horse, but we do need it for a few seconds. <coughs> so that's one place to start. Um, the other thing would be to work on transitions in straight lines and circles. Um, I like to uh, do the extended on the length of the arena and the collected on the short side because collection is harder for them. So, but if they're super hot, I'll do collection the entire arena, sit jog um, the entire arena in the bridle. Um, <clears throat> I would also do it in circles, things like spirals or um, single barrel, things that require them to extend and collect. I would master a 10 foot circle at a walk, trot, and a lope with lateral and vertical collection. Um, those are all things I would do personally. I wouldn't be worried about putting them in a heavier tie down or a bigger bit because uh, it's gonna be about a bit more knowledge. Um, a horse can run through any bit or tie down. If a horse doesn't like barrel racing, sometimes they just would be better doing English or working cows or something else. Um, not all horses love to barrel race, but you could have, <coughs> You could have not instilled rate enough when you patterned your horse. You might not have walked and trotted the barrels long enough and taught them to rate before the barrels at every speed. Um, you, maybe you didn't really focus on rate. You just let them go around the barrel the same speed going into the barrels at a walk and a trot and a lope. You never felt the transition. That will cause problems when you add speed. Um, that's really important. So all those things matter. Also your body position. Um, are you sitting early enough, maybe four strides from the barrel? Are you learning to bump and release on your reins as you soften your ribs and shoulders and sit on your pockets, really tilt your pelvic bone under and pull your belly button back to your spine and really sit with your core deep in that saddle and say, whoa, easy, two-hand check, um, not pull, but bump, light bumps. So body position matters, talking to them with your voice, sitting early enough, all those things can help. <clears throat> next question my turns are wide um, or I stall they turn with their head and their neck and not with their body okay so that is usually caused by riders with too much inside rein and not enough uh, riding with their body and leg so for you the squares on the barrel would be great working single barrel on the pattern or D pattern would be great one-handed and learn to not over over um pull on your inside rein now every once in a while though you have a horse that's super dependent on balance rein because because riders are too handsy so i would personally start teaching them to ride one-handed even though you may have to keep your hand on the center of the rein and bring your hand back to rate them not to the side or up um and you know but if you have a rubber neck or butt swinger and it isn't because of your hand being heavy on the inside then I would go ahead and um, do work with two hands and use more outside leg. And I would stay two hands till I was behind the barrel at spot two. Um, those things can help as well. So again, I'd have to see the video to know for sure which way it is. The next question is, what is a free, free runner or a push horse? And um, how do you know the difference? And can there be a combination? Um, first of all, yes, uh, there can be a combination. A free runner basically is a horse that runs the barrel pattern without you needing to kick them. That free runner may or may not have the desire to rate and turn a barrel. My horse, Belle, was a free runner, but she also wanted to rate and turn a barrel really badly. 
Other free runners will run free but not rate, and you need to help them rate or they won't turn. Um, a push horse is a horse that you basically wake them up in the alleyway and have to drive them with your feet to keep them running through the pattern. You can kick them. They're more fun to me. Uh, a push horse is more exciting because you can get your adrenaline up and you can really drive. You can kick four or five times between every barrel because you know they're going to rate and they're going to turn. Where the free runner, you kind of have to ride quieter. It's not as fun for a, a non-horseman to watch because it just kind of looks like you're just cruising out there. Where a push horse, you're really working it. You might be, you know, whipping them on the butt, leaving a turn. You might be really sitting up and kicking hard out of the turns. You're not kicking butterfly kicks, but bumping them with your feet to encourage them to run. So there can be a combination. My Briscoe was free running and very, you had to ride her very quiet to first, but then you could drive her to second and third and really push her. Um, so every horse is unique that way. Um, some it's because they're more confident one way than the other. Some it's because they're more fractious going to one barrel than the other. Um, and they usually will develop a style. They can change. Someone asked me if, um, if you can make a push horse a free runner. <clears throat> well, usually it's the opposite. Um, it's usually a free runner becomes a push horse. Um, but, but to answer that question, Let's say it's their maturity year. Their maturity year, sometimes they're when they start, they're a little bit freer because they don't know to rate or turn. They don't know it's a timed event. And then as they become open horses, they know it's a timed event. They know they've got to turn those barrels. So they start to become more ratey and more turny. So, so yes, they can change a little bit from their novice years to their open years for sure. Um, but if you have a horse that's a, Lazy horse, you know, you have a go horse or woe horse. A go horse, you're going to do more slow riding, collection riding, lots of walking and jogging, things like that. But a push horse, you may sprint them once a week to try to get them to be freer. Or if you have a young horse that's never been taught to run, you may have to sprint them in the arena and teach them to run. But again, do that all safely after you've warmed up and be careful. They can trip, they can buck, they can zig, they can zag. So always put safety first, keep a tight hold of your rein, hold the horn with the other hand. And usually just <clears throat> sitting up, rein forward and smooching is enough to get them to fire. Um, but yes, you, you may have to, uh, for the push horse, you may have to do more gigantic circles, more long trotting, big rectangles out in the pasture, uh, add a sprint a week in this arena in a safe space, um, things like that. So, so I hope that answers that question. Um, Let's see here. You can definitely get them working off of your energy too, away from the pattern. That can help as well. Let's see here. Next question. How to decide if left or right is best for your first barrel? Um, so this one's a tough one, and I've noticed it happens for several reasons. But the main reason in my experience in 30 years and over hundreds of horses I've trained and, and ridden um, most horses are lefties, just like most people are righties. Most horses like going to the left more than they like to go to the right. So that's why barrel racers give them two left turns and one right turn. Um, but second, and also because second barrel can be the hardest barrel. So you're going to want that to be the way that they feel the most confident. Second barrel requires moving over, changing leads, and it's a full circle. <clears throat> but they say the first barrel is your money barrel. So when you think of it that way, usually when I'm training, I go to 
I go easiest to first, build my speed to second, then build it even more to third, and then run home. So I usually, as I'm adding speed to a young horse, I'm going to run home first. I'm going to go faster from second to third next. Then I'm going to go faster from first to second. And then finally, I'm going to go faster from alleyway to first. <clears throat> and when I'm training a young horse, because I feel like it keeps their mind about them. If you lose a horse's mind at the alleyway, they're never going to pay attention for the whole pattern. So generally, that's how I train. I'm not saying it's the only way to do it. It's just how I do it. Um, but anyways, there are some people that prefer, let's say they've been successful going to the left with one horse. So they want all their horses to be a left, a lefty. Um, but there are, are horses that, again, um, are, are um, better to the right. So you want two right turns. So again, when I, the way that I decide is I try, you know, doing drills um, and uh, when I'm loping circles and such, um, if they feel more confident one way than the other, if they feel more balanced one way than the other, that's how I make my decision. And most horses I make go to the right barrel first, because like I said, you usually want those two left turns as most horses are lefties. So let's see here. Next question. Um, if you're moving out of jackpots and you want to season your horse, would you suggest Super Show or Rodeo first? Definitely Super Show. And the reason why is because Rodeo, you don't get any exhibitions. The ground's usually not good. And horses have to be able to handle a lot of adversity. Like bulls can be in the chutes. Ropers can be around. Uh, side acts, All of that stuff. Depending on if you're going to junior rodeo, high school rodeo, or college rodeo, or pro rodeo. Even open rodeos. Um, I would definitely do Super Show because A, Super Show... Because they're in buildings, you can get exhibitions and let your horses get used to enclosed buildings, which is a seasoning factor in itself, and it's very scary. So um, I would definitely not go cold turkey for rodeo or super show if you can avoid it. On a young horse, it can rattle them. Horses that can handle pro rodeo or open rodeo are usually really gritty or really laid back or not, not sensitive or spooky about things at all. Um, if you're going to do rodeos, start with open rodeos where you can ride in the arena in advance and um, maybe a grand entry or maybe they have some open riding nights, things like that, and, and just let your horse get used to the arena first. Um, that would be a really smart way, but but definitely um, you got to know your horse and usually um, lowest pressure as possible, even if you could just haul to a super show and exhibition the first time is sometimes a great idea. Let's see here. Next question. What's the best hay to feed horses? Um, I believe that horses are designed to eat grass. They were meant to graze all over the place, you know, hundreds and thousands of miles and eat a variety of grasses. So I think their body is designed that way. So I believe in 80% should be quality grass. Maybe your uh, Timothy Orchard, Bermuda, you know, better quality grasses than just like a coastal um, nutrition wise, and also don't have to worry about impaction and things like that. So 80%, 60 to 80% should be a quality grass hay and only 20 to 40% should be the peanut hay or the alfalfa hay, anything that's really high in protein or a legume. That's not what they're going to find in their natural digestion of, of, of what a horse would eat if they weren't domesticated. So keep that part down. I do think it has um, more calories, more energy, uh, more nutrition, but it can also be overdone and cause other issues with horses as well if it's overdone, such as obes obesity, laminitis, 
Um, but it is good in, in a small amount, you know, for ulcer prevention, um, you know, for the calcium, um, you know, things like that. It's a good thing. So just remember, though, if you feed a high amount of alfalfa and low grass, you're suppressing magnesium and horses need magnesium for calming and their muscle health as well. So just keep all that in mind when you're doing it. I think balance is best. So I like the 80-20 or 60-40 rule when it comes to grass and alfalfa hay or peanut hay, something like that. Um, okay, next question. Uh, how do I condition my horse for the winter um, if I don't have an indoor arena? Okay, so I lived in Colorado for eight years and I would just freaking pull my shoes for two months and just let them be because... I tried like, okay, let's say it's a month or so before spring and I want to start legging them up. Um, you can put stuff in the bottom of their hooves so that the snowballs don't get up in there. Um, you know, you can use like a cooking grease or Pam, and especially if you have front shoes on them. And in a lot of those states that snow, the ground's harder and you end up having to have front shoes. Um, but if you, if you can, my, luckily where I lived was a bunch of five to 10 acre places with trails between them. So I could ride on the trails and that's how I kept my horses in shape. On the best weather days, I would just walk on the trails. Um, and then I found an Arabian barn about five miles from my house that I could um, pay them to use the arena as long as I came certain hours that they weren't using it. So it was usually at nighttime. So I would haul over there and, but you had to be careful because black eyes, your truck and trailer be sliding around and it, that's scary and it's dangerous. So so that's why a lot of times I just, in the worst two months of the winter, I just pull their shoes and let them be. And then as I know spring's approaching, I'll go ahead and get their shoes back on. And um, I lunge them, you know, like I found a place on my property that doesn't have too much snow and I keep them on a controlled lunge. You know, if you have a round pin that's got good sand, but remember there can be ice hidden under snow. So you don't want them to get hurt. Always put leg boots on them. And I just lunge them at a walk and a trot controlled. Or I would ride them on, on the arena, but just squares, gigantic rectangles or squares, just at a walk and a trot. Um, you can't do a lot of circles in the winter because the ground's not safe. So the only thing you can do to keep them legged up is face flexing, leg laterals, and walking and trotting straight lines or squares. Um, I wouldn't, you know, I wouldn't worry about it too much because your good weather's coming. Um, but maybe that month where the weather's starting to have good and bad days, that's the time to start increasing it. I know it's so hard. That's why I've lived in Florida now for 22 years and Colorado only eight years because I get cabin fever in the winter time. So I know that's a definitely a challenging time for you. Um, let's see here. Saddles. Do you prefer treeless or treed? Um, I honestly think it depends on the rider. Um, I rode treeless for 20 some years, but I think depending on how balanced you are in the saddle, your the, how tall you are, the height of, you know, your height, your weight, um, the style of horse you ride all makes a difference. Um, if you're trying to fit many different style backs or they also change with age and conditioning. So I find that short riders seem to get along better in treed saddles because it kind of picks them up off the horse's back. I feel like short riders sometimes get too low on the horse's back. You know, like if you're only five foot tall, um, those, you know, that can be harder in the treeless saddle for riders balance and such. But remember to always fit the horse first. 
I did many, many clinics where I used to ride all the horses and I'd ride some saddles that were miserable and comfortable. So I can't imagine how horses feel in an uncomfortable saddle. And then I rode saddles that felt like I was sitting on a couch and those are treat as well, but they're usually the really expensive, high quality brands like Codwell and Martin and Double J and things like that, you know, that get up there two, 3,000 and the treeless costs about 2,000 and up too. So definitely don't scrimp um, and buy off brands like I use the Bob Marshalls, um, but, you know, buy quality because it's going to last you and your horse is going to work better if they feel better, just like you wearing a pair of boots that are good or versus a pair of boots that are not comfortable. So um, the next question was about tying up um, the horse tied up on them. Um, the first thing you want to do is have your vet out because it is an emergency. Do not move that horse. Um, stall them. Get the blood pulled on them. And um, see if it's uh, something you could change with diet. My mare Bell tied up. Um, my my holistic vet, Dr. Peggy in Brooksville, just kept saying it was hormones. And she would do uh, acupuncture for her at $150 a pop a uh, monthly. And she still tied up every spring and fall because she thought it was hormones. But she was still tying up even with acupuncture. So I called Dr. Valberg at the University of Minnesota. She specialized in horses that tie up. And I said, look, my horse is tying up like three, four times a year. And she's like, oh my God, I have horses tying up that many, that many times a week or a month because I wanted to send her a muscle biopsy. She said, just change your diet. And I said, well, what do you recommend? And she made a feed with Kentucky feed called Relieve. And it was a high fat, low starch, rice bran pulp. It had selenium, vitamin E, all this different stuff in it. It was like $25 a bag back then. It's probably 30 something a bag now. But she never tied up again. And I only gave her, uh, oh, and also reduced her alfalfa and increased her grass hay. So she mostly got orchard, 80% orchard, 20% alfalfa, and then only one pound of feed per day because she was competing. Uh, and she was built racy bread, you know. Um, so she she's more lean style. So she did get a pound of feed once a day of that feed. And she never tied up again. So So I would definitely start with blood work and go from there. Um, sometimes, you know, just removing grain or feed from a horse's diet or backing down their alfalfa, I've seen it fix alleyway issues on horses that are too hot. So I'm already at 30 minutes. So let me see if I answered all the questions. Oh, the other question was, is a horse, um, when do you consider a horse finished, um, on the barrel pattern, a young horse finished on the barrel pattern? Well, I feel like it takes at least two years to make a barrel horse minimum one year just on basics and then one year on teaching them the barrel pattern and hauling for exhibitions or maybe timed runs. So two years is your minimum training a barrel horse, in my opinion. A lot of people rush it, but then those horses come out 5D, you know, they come out two, three seconds out. I wanted my horses to come out 1D, 2D. So I didn't rush it. I spent two solid years making my horses um, so they would come out, you know, in the 1D, 2D you know, depending on if it's a small show, big show, whatever. And, um, and so when they're finished, golly, um, definitely, you know, it's a young horse. So when, when a horse can do all my drills at a walk, trot and lope, perfect, like D pattern, single barrel, figure eights, you know, spirals, all that stuff. And they can, uh, you know, lope maybe two seconds out. Then I would say if they're running a pretty pattern two seconds out, that's pretty much a finished, finished baby. That baby's ready to go enter. But it has to be a pretty pattern. It doesn't, doesn't, you're not pulling on them in the turns. They're not taking four strides around the barrel. 
it's two strides or eight and two strides around the barrel and they're two seconds out. You know, that to me is okay. They know what they're doing and then it's time to add speed. So then I'd say you have another year of, uh, education with speed. So there's your third year. Um, some of them come on faster. Some of them can come on 2d after two years, you know, um, after a year of foundation and a year of, of pattern and hauling for exhibitions and such. So it all depends on the individual horse, but that's what I would base it upon. Um, I hope that makes sense. Um, and then you have a year of seasoning for jackpots versus another year, maybe of super shows and rodeo super shows. You spend the night, it's multiple runs. So you could have four years in a horse, five years in a horse, especially if you don't know what you're doing before you have a finished product. Um, if you know what you're doing, you know, probably three years, but still it's a long process. And that's why horses sell for so much now with the bloodlines and also the time that's put into them to make them nice horses. So, okay. So next question, let's see, is that all my questions? Mm -mm, I think so. All right. So we're going to get into goals of, uh, versus balance of life. Um, you have to know your why, why do you do it? And like I mentioned earlier, Life can suck your positivity away if people can, a crappy day can. So you really have to find balance. Um, you know, when I was married, um, I wanted, my whole entire goal was to um, train horses. You know, that was really important to me. So so there's a lot of things you can decide, you know, at the, you're trying, okay, here's the deal. You're, you're, you're in your prime, your horses are in their prime. So you have a short time to be competing on that horse while they're in their prime. But at that same time, it always seems to be when you're getting your education for college or when you're starting your career in life, or maybe you're married and have a spouse and children. Um, all of those things you have to balance around this horse that's in its prime, you're in your prime and you want to go meet your barrel racing goals. So that's why you have to know your why. And, and, you know, a lot of people say, you know, put God first, then my spouse, then my family, then my hobbies or whatever, my career, that kind of stuff. And sometimes that helps people keep an order or balance and make a schedule that works for you. So that's why schedules are important. I would try to do, um, ride horses, do lessons and training during the day, Monday through Friday. And when my son got home from school, that was my time with him. I would take him to his sporting events, help him with his homework, make his dinner. I might have a lesson in the evening or something. My husband traveled all the time. So it wasn't important to have, you know, time with my husband at night because he wasn't there. You know, of course, that's probably why we end up divorced. But, but if I was married to a husband that didn't travel, then you would have had time for your husband at night, not necessarily riding your horses or things like that. So you have to find that balance. But if you work full time and then you come home and you have your kids and your spouse, all of that, that's a hard thing to find that balance. So hopefully your family does it with you. So then everyone can be in the barn or the arena at the same time. But if their interests are different, that makes it difficult. Um, so I do feel like you have to make a schedule that works for you. I would compete on Saturday or Friday or both. And I would uh, have a family day on Sunday, or I would have lessons instead of competition, but I always tried to have one family day. So the funny part was, is I always wanted to travel, wanted to take like two or three months and just go rodeo or, or whatever, super show for a couple months. But I never could because I had training horses. I had boarding horses. I had a husband and a son. 
And so when my son went off to college, I was really considering, um, you know, uh, letting the boarders go and, and not train horses and just take off. And because my husband traveled all the time and just go do that. But then he asked for a divorce. So that changed everything. So that's what I'm saying about balance. You, you've got to chase your goals and your dreams. But you also have to have balance with your family, too, and know that there's only a short period of time that you have your prime with you and your horses before, you know, they slow down or have to be retired or or maybe you slow down and, and don't aren't as competitive as you once maybe were. Um, you know, life can change. So I just want you to keep that in mind when you're making your decisions. Um, I do think like for me, I changed my business plan a lot since 2020. Um, my horses aged and retired and it just wasn't the same to have to retire my favorite barrel horses and want to still go you know and then I had young Rocky coming along but he was kind of a miracle baby and he's behind and I didn't want to push him so and then of course my hip got messed up in 2020 and I need to get that fixed next month um, it didn't heal correctly after um and it's been going bad for a long time since like 2017. And I tried a lot of things, injections, etc. Nothing worked for it. So, um, so you have to have a uh, time, you know, and if you're really lucky, you'll get to retire some of your horses sound and other ones you'll have to retire because they had to be retired. You know, um, Briscoe and Bell and Buddy were able to retire sound. Um, but Maggie and sister and Cash um and Callie all had to retire because of lameness so there's a point in time where that can happen as well so that's why I'm saying you have to find out what's find your balance find your schedule um but still be disciplined enough that you know you can ride three to five days during the week and have you know a family day and a competition day or something like that everybody's going to have their own schedule and um, it's going to be, you know, based on a lot. It's a lot to juggle competition. For me, it was my traveling husband, my my son and his sports and and my business, TLC and competition and just juggling it all. And unfortunately, that's how it is when you are in your prime because you have so much going on. So that's why you need to know why you barrel race and keep perspective and joyful about it. Um you know, when I was eight and got my first horse, I knew I loved horses. It was my fun place. It was my happy place. Um, and that was what I always tried it. Whenever I find myself not being happy, um, I remember that little girl that had a need for speed and competition. Um, uh, winning felt good, you know, and it was fun. Um, and, you know, even now, um, even now with my virtual coaching group, I love coaching. I love teaching. I love doing my clinics and my lessons. But again, I love it when people have a positive attitude and they want to learn. Um, you know, you know, it's frustrating when people just don't see how if you do the time and you put it in, it takes time, but it will happen. And um, and you have to look outside the box sometimes, you know, um, at a lot of different things. You know, it, it can be, um, you know, a lot of things from equipment to diet to their health. Um, foundation, you name it. There's so much that goes into it. Um, but, but you know, you have to remember exactly what it is that you're doing and why you're doing it. A lot of times people worry about the outcome. They worry about what people think of them. They think it's the end of the world if they have a bad run. You need to step back from that and think, what if you had health issues and you couldn't ride? Or what if you didn't have the money to be able to go or you couldn't even afford a horse? 
and put it in perspective and thank God for all the blessings in your life. Um, and that's what I think is really important. So write down why you do it. For some of you, it's because you love training. That's what it was for me. Um, for some of you, you love being a jockey or you want a rodeo or fraternity, or maybe some of you just want to be an owner and a breeder. Um, maybe some of you want to help kids or do therapeutic teams, or therapeutic kids or therapeutic riding, sorry. Um, or you want to have a rodeo team. Um, maybe some of you want to do fraternity and derby or rodeo. Um, there, there's a niche for everybody and you just have to be true to your heart and, and, um, and, you know, and have that mindset shift that, you know, um, finding your blessings, you know, counting your blessings and just really knowing what you want, have that positive attitude. Um, for me, it's always been that I've loved horses. I love training and competition. It was my income. I tried to find a balance of family and I and competition, and I I no have any regrets. I was there for my son every single day of his life, and uh, when he went off to college, it was hard. I didn't think it would be because I still had my business and my horses, but it was hard. But I loved that I could be there with him every day because of my business, and I could work it around him. So um, I love that I was able to do a little bit of everything from WPRA to super shows to futurities derby jackpots and my biggest fun was training horses I spent 19 years on 500 acres of cow pasture with horses and my dogs that was my if I was ever to be buried and cremated that's where I'd want my ashes ashes spread that was my happy place so um, again everybody has their deal what makes them happy and that's what I want you to realize make a life that works for you so I'm going to end this podcast with those thoughts um, there is a time to learn, there's a time to change, there's a time to excel, and there's a time to rest. There's a season for everything. I know some of you, when your horses are lame or you're in between, you feel lost sometimes, but that's a time where you can do other things and learn other things and come back to it when it is your season again. You know, there's a chapter in your book for everything, so don't get frustrated. Balance is the key, knowing your gifts, your strengths. And working on your weaknesses. Um, I really do hope you um, know God and, and pray to God for things. Um, and that your heart is filled with love and not hate. And that your um, mouth says words of kindness and not meanness. And that you um, see the good in things and not the bad. Um, and, and you're positive and not negative. You know, even when things are hard. Because that's life. You're always going to have challenges. And, and you just got to keep a positive attitude. So I posted something on my Facebook page about keeping water outside of a boat. Water outside a boat cannot sink a ship. Only the water that gets inside and that you let it weigh you down. Um, you know, So don't let what's going on around you get in there and weigh you down. Um, just do your best. Stay positive. And, um, and try to live every day with joy. Let God guide you, guide you, and pray and be happy. There is a time and a season for everything, and you have to trust in that. So um, I'm going to end there and just remind everybody, if you're enjoying the group and you're not, uh, excuse me, you enjoy the podcast and you're not in my group, you should consider joining. It'll be the best $15 you ever spend. You get a lot of free bonuses emailed to you, and you get to get your videos reviewed of training and competition. Not to mention uh, 150 videos in the members only page and all of that. Um, also, if you're in my group and you enjoy it, please refer a friend um, or give me a shout out on Facebook. That's how I 
for 30 years have kept my business going is word of mouth. So thank you guys. And as always, ride with heart and God bless.